chess terms, they call it a fork. Uh, your opponent puts you in a position where there's a fork in the road, and whatever you do, whichever way you turn, you will lose a piece. Uh, in Mark chapter 12, Jesus is under attack. Against him is an unlikely alliance of Pharisees and Herodians. They generally despised each other, but they found a common enemy in Jesus. So they gang up on Jesus to try to catch him in his words, as Mark 12 verse 13 puts it. Well, what happens? Mark 12 verse 14 they came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You are not swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. But you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? Okay, here is the fork. Okay, if Jesus says, give, pay the tax, he loses his Jewish support instantly. They don't want to pay taxes to Caesar, right? But if he says, don't give, well, the Romans will shut him up before the words leave his lips. Whichever, whichever way Jesus jumps, he is in very hot water. And as we listen in 2,000 years later, we might be asking similar questions. We might be saying, Jesus, should we simply obey our secular rulers? Or should we completely reject our secular rulers and maintain our own spiritual values in opposition to the state? Should we be syncretists, that means blending in with the world? Or should we be sectarians, that means hiving off from the world? Tell us, Jesus, what should we do when it comes to the powers of the state? Should we blend in completely or opt out completely? Well, Jesus is incredible at escaping from verbal traps that are laid by his opponents. Uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 15 is no exception. Jesus knew their hypocrisy. He said, why are you trying to trap me? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose portrait is this and whose inscription? Well, it's Caesar's, they replied. Literally, he's asking, whose image is this and whose inscription? They say it's Caesar's image. Then verse 17, Jesus said to them, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Now, before we dive into what Jesus is saying here, just, just notice something here. Jesus has to borrow a coin to make his point. I find that stunning. Here is a man who had nowhere to lay his head as Matthew 8 verse 20 puts it. He rode into town on a borrowed donkey. We saw that a couple of days ago. He was laid to rest in a borrowed tomb. And when he died, they gambled for his only possessions, his garments. When it comes to money, Jesus speaks with complete integrity. He's not in love with money as the Pharisees were. See Luke chapter 16 verse 14. Uh, we can trust what Jesus says here because we know that it is not motivated by the least degree of self-interest. He doesn't have two coins to rub together. He has to borrow a coin to make a point. The king of heaven. Amazing, isn't it? And when he gets his hands on the coin, notice what he brings to our attention. He brings to our attention the image, the portrait, the, the face on the back, the image. And that is the key to this teaching. We are to give to Caesar what is Caesar's image. The thing that bears the image belongs to the original. So do the Pharisees agree to this? If so, they walk into a trap of Jesus' own making. If we give to Caesar what is Caesar's image, we give a coin. But how do we give to God what is God's image? Well, what is God's image? 
come on, it's, it's written on the first page of the Bible. What is God's image? We are. Genesis 1 verse 26. So here the tables are turned on Christ's questioners. Jesus asks them, do you belong to God? Do you? Are you sure? That is a question far more fundamental than whether Caesar's coinage belongs to Caesar. Jesus asks us, do we belong to God? Are we given to God? If we are, then that's the bottom line. And it will give us the foundational security to be able to honour the state and not feel threatened or overawed by it. If we know that we belong to God, we can just get on and be decent citizens in the world. Here in this famous phrase is a foundation for the separation of church and state. This teaching has given to Christians a unique approach to the world. Other religious beliefs mingle the spiritual and the secular. Uh, Muhammad bore the sword and wielded political power. Uh, Hinduism is caught up in a national identity. Ditto Sikhism. Ditto Judaism. But here stands Jesus saying, honor the emperor. Even, Even if the emperor is a wicked despot from another nation entirely, Jesus says, honor the secular powers. It's okay, you're free. You belong to God. You are God's image, for goodness sake. So pay your taxes, respect the state. Your identity is not at stake in these questions of obedience to the state. So be a good citizen. Following Jesus should not make you a sectarian, hiving off from the rest of society and hunkering down in a little Christian ghetto. Neither should it make you a syncretist, just blending you in with the world and losing all your distinctives. No, we are citizens of the state on one hand and members of the church on the other. And these two bodies, the church and the state, can live side by side without collapsing into one another and without going to war with one another. Why? Well, when Caesar asks me for the things that belong to him, I can smile. I can obey. Because it's only going to be things. It's only going to be possessions, money, a coin with an image on it. That's okay. Caesar can have that. My identity is not in those things. My true identity is that I am someone who is God's image. Christ has redeemed me and I belong to God, body and soul. So happily I give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Knowing that through Christ I am unshakably one who belongs to God. Mm